This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Cards Against Humanity and Hover. So you've done all you can do. You've toiled for months and months designing and developing the app that you really want to make. You've lined up your marketing strategy, submitted to Apple and got everything approved. The last thing you can do is set your app to be released on the App Store. But what happens next? Let's find out, as today we will look at launch day. The moments just before and just after you release something are really peculiar. You've got all this tension and expectation built up. It's become something that's so important to you, something that you've poured your heart and soul into. You finally get up the courage to push the button and tell the world. You can feel it in the pit of your stomach. You get ready and you just do it. But then, nothing. There's no fireworks. There's no explosions that go off. There's no parade or marching band. You've done all you can, but then there's just this wait. You're waiting for people to see it, to find out what you've done, and to come to you. No matter how big you're following, no matter how well you've executed the marketing machine, there is still this slow build as people start to find, explore, and share. Your entire audience, they just won't come at once like you were kind of dreaming and hoping that they would. They come in little stages. After I get over the initial feelings of actually putting something out there, I can find the communication and marketing part of it to actually be quite overwhelming. Personally, I like to take the time to read what people are saying and write back over Twitter and email. I set aside the day for this kind of stuff, but sometimes it can be a really difficult thing to do. It's not just about how many people there are. It's about how anything that any one person says can have a huge impact emotionally. Good or bad, it's a day that I am very vulnerable. I wondered what the developers that I've been speaking to do on these days and how they handle the wave of people. I panic a little bit. Um, That's David Smith. I think the most anxiety I ever have about launching an app is that initial feeling of, is something going to go horribly wrong? And this is even worse when I'm releasing a big update. So like I do a big, you know, Uh, a big major update to one of my existing apps. Um, But you just never know like that uncertainty about no matter how well you test it, no matter how well you feel like you're, you have a good grip on the quality of something you, until you actually put it out into the world, you have no idea. And so I tend to kind of go into like this. It's almost like I'm in mission in like, like this mission control like center when I'm just constantly checking everything I possibly can to see if things are working, to see if things are working well. Do I have any new reviews in the store? Has anyone mentioned it on Twitter? And then that tends to, that tends to go away, thankfully. Um, as you tend to then go into the phase of like the, well, what do the people think? Is it good? Is it not? You kind of start seeking that, that affirmation maybe of like, did, you know, was this actually worth all this effort? Now let's hear from Russell Ivanovich of Shifty Jelly. It's it's pretty insane. I don't know if, if other developers are like this, but it's just that moment of absolute fear that you've managed to, you know, accidentally ship a show-stopping bug or that someone will, you know, install it and it'll just crash on launch or, you know, that just bad things are going to happen because, you know, you've done all the testing you possibly can, but once you put it out to, you know, a few hundred thousand people, that's... That's freaky. And we all just sit there with um, 
Uh, we use an app called Respondly. So we look at our Twitter feed in there and we'll just suddenly what will happen is this thing will launch and suddenly a flood of like tweets will come in and we'll, we'll literally be trying to answer the tweets and, you know, say thanks to people not as fast as they're coming in. So, you know, I'll respond to a tweet and three more tweets will come in and then Monica will respond to a tweet and there'll be six more tweets. And it's, it's just a rush. You know, there's, a, there's an overwhelming um, positive feeling at the majority of, you know, most launches if we haven't screwed anything up. So I find that that first few hours is amazing because all the people that have installed it and noticed are your most passionate users. And they're the people that are just, you know, so kind to us. You know, they'll say really nice things and they'll tell us, you know, how much they love different things and they've only had the app for like five or ten minutes you know it's that that first initial wave of just pure enthusiasm for you know something that you've been working on privately for i think in our case like four or five months it's 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 amazing to to finally get it out there and and see how people react well you got a lot of server monitoring windows open that's for sure (laughs) and and then once it's pretty clear that the servers are doing fine uh then it becomes reading literally thousands of tweets and emails in response. That's Marco Arment talking about what it was like on the day that he released Overcast. So on launch day, uh, the first few days of launch, I got, I, I had accumulated about 2,500, I think. I, I was tweeting about it as it was happening. Um, it was some crazy amount of email. And most of them are just like, hey, this is a cool thing. Some of them are like, hey, this would be, this would be cool, but it needs this one feature. Otherwise, I can't use it. Um, so most of them don't really need a response. And most of them don't get responses. And, and I told people like, look, um, I, I nowhere in the app does it say support. It's very carefully worded as feedback everywhere. And in the app, right, right on the form that you send feedback from, I say, I'm sorry, I can't guarantee a response to most of these, but I will read them all. But of course, a successful and big launch day doesn't just have an impact on the size of your email inbox. It was a lot of work. I, I hurt my back, all the stress I was having. It was, it was an ordeal, but I got through it. And it was overall very positive. It was it was by far the most positive uh, release I've ever done. Um, just overall, everyone loved the app, and it was great, and and it worked. It didn't crash. The servers held up just fine, and I got thousands of positive responses. So it was great. Over the last couple of episodes, you've heard the story of John Voorhees' app Blink, as he's been getting ready to put it on sale. His app is now out, and after this break, we're going to check back in with John to see how launch day went for him. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. I have been a happy Hover customer for many years, and that's because of their great service. They make it so easy, so fast, and so simple to just go to their website, hover.com. You just type in the name of the domain that you're looking for, and they're going to show you if it's available. And if it's not, they're going to show you all of the other TLDs that are available. They have .com, .co, .me. They have all of the new TLDs as well, like .plumbing, .fish, whatever tickles your fancy. They're going to show you those that are available. If none of those are they're going to give you variations on the name they use really smart and intelligent robots to suggest viable alternatives for you to make sure that you get a fantastic domain name they have great prices as well their .com domains start at $12.99 and my favorite feature is they include who is privacy for free as well because they believe that you shouldn't have to pay to keep your private information private Hover have fantastic customer support they have a no hold no wait no transfer telephone support policy you'll be talking to an actual human being when you call Hover. You don't talk to the domain robots, you talk to real people. But if you do prefer a little bit of computer communication, they also have great email support that I've used a bunch of times, and I love that. I think it's fantastic. 
Don't forget, Hover have a service that they call their valet service. So if you're switching over from another provider, Hover can take care of all of that hassle for you because quite simply, they'll just do it for you. So go to Hover.com right now and use the code OUTLINE at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for Inquisitive. That's code OUTLINE. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show. The first thing I did was announce it, but it's kind of funny where I announced it from. I was sitting on a train heading into Chicago. Um, the launch, uh, you know, you can't know exactly when an app is going to go live. So Wednesday night, um, that was last week, March 18th, I hit the button saying launch um, and went to bed. I got up in the morning and that morning the app was still not live. Um, I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Uh, it had been a good seven hours, and while it's hard to really pin a particular time period on when an app goes live, um, you know, seven, eight hours, I think, is is kind of starting to reach the outside limits from you know what I've heard. And so I started being a little concerned that, among other things, articles would, sh- you know, reviews would start showing up about Blink with links in them that would be dead. And given the importance of the launch day and getting as many click-throughs to the app store as possible, um, that worried me a little bit. So um, I talked to Owen about it in the morning, and one of the things that he said, he had heard from David, I think he heard it from David Barnard of, uh, David Bernard of um, Contrast, was that if you make a small change to your app description and save it, that sometimes that shakes the app free. So we added one space to a blank line, and the app did that, and within 15 minutes, or so the thing went live. And I walked out the door to go to my day job, which is in Chicago. I'm a lawyer and I walk down to the train every morning, hop on the train and takes me about, I don't know, half an hour to 40 minutes to get into the office. Um, I was sitting on the train heading into Chicago when I first started seeing that the app was live. Um, Owen texted me, I had other people text me, uh, and then I started seeing some articles online. Mac Stories had a review up very, very quickly. Um, so I announced it via Twitter, the, the launch of Blink, while I was sitting on the train. It did feel like the future, for sure. I mean, I was sitting there responding to people from all over the world um, and getting all my ducks in a row. Thank goodness I had already dealt with the website and things, certain things that I couldn't have done from my iPhone, but I used my iPhone to launch Blink that day. Initially, it was it was a little overwhelming. I mean, it was very exciting, of course. I mean, there's this was, you know, months in the making, and especially the last few weeks, was nothing but waiting because I had the app approved and sitting there waiting for launch for a good two weeks before I actually launched it, um, which was driving me a little bit crazy. So it was very exciting to finally get it out there. I mean, I had a handful of people had seen it and seemed to like it, um, but I wanted to see what the wider world thought about it. Uh, and so it was both exciting and I was very happy to finally get it out there um, and then super happy once I saw the, the reaction people um, had to it. Um, it was a little overwhelming at first, only because the volume of stuff coming at me was, was enormous for the first few hours. But I kept up with it for the most part uh, and caught up as the day progressed um, and just kind of finished the day feeling very satisfied that I had finally gotten to the, the end of the road, at least as far as this project was concerned. We're all familiar with the idea of opening night reviews for an actor. It's something that's been played out many times in TV shows and movies. Here we go, people! (laughs) 
<clears throat> Boxing Day. The Lucille Hotel Theater. Bada, bada, bada. Ha! Joey Tribbiani gives an uneven performance about Mr. Tribbiani is not the worst thing in this production. Yes! <laughs> this is something that developers can go through too. You can give all of the access you want to people in the press. You can give them a beta of your app. You can be open for comments and questions. You can give them lovely screenshots in your press kit and even be respectful with your embargo. But none of this guarantees that they're going to like your app or write about it favorably. But also, like those TV actors that I mentioned, pretty much every developer I spoke to can't help but read the reviews of their app as soon as they come out. Oh, yeah. The press articles, I read all of them. The App Store reviews, I, I, I read like a few for the first day, and then I mostly don't read them now. I haven't looked at it now in a long, probably over a month. Um, app Store reviews are always a mixed bag. It's, it's good to have a general idea of what's being said, but you don't really need to read everyone. You probably shouldn't read everyone. Um, if you have a lot, or if, if they start getting negative. But the the press reviews, I read all of them, word for word. And that was also a big part of the first day. Um, and uh, yeah, it was great. I was extremely happy with all of them. Uh, I, you know, they were they were very positive, overall glowing reviews. And, and the shortcomings that they did point out, I agree with them. I was aware of them, and either I had chosen that as this is how I do things, or it was like, I haven't gotten to that feature yet. Uh, so they were great. You know, these people, you know, a lot of them are my friends. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, I wouldn't expect that to make them write a good review. But I, I would hope that if, if the app is so terrible, they would write a really terrible review. I would hope that they would indicate problems during the beta, that they would, they would report like shortcomings or things that annoyed them or things that didn't work right. Like, and for the most part, when those things came up, everyone did report them, so it was fine, and I fixed them. <laughs> That's one of the reasons the app was so late. Uh, so, you know, like a, a good, a good beta tester, like if you're going to give them early access, if there's going to be something that is really terrible about the app that they could constructively tell you, and and they, that they feel comfortable constructively telling you, you really hope they do, and they usually do. So, I was pretty, I was pretty confident that like, I wasn't going to be blindsided by some like big surprise. That, oh, turns out everyone hates this one thing and no one said it during the beta. Like, that that didn't happen, and I, I was pretty sure it wouldn't. I, I read all the press articles. I, I love going through them, even when, you know, they have criticisms and things. They're, they're generally things that, you know, you learn over time instead of get, getting defensive about them and going, oh, I wish, you know, Mike had find, found this setting or Mike had realized that it did this. It's just good to read because you go, well, okay, Mike didn't find that. It probably means we didn't put it in there very well or we hit it yeah. somewhere. The reviews started going up fairly quick. Some of them we expected, some of them we hoped for, some of them we just didn't think. That's Oshin from Supertop talking about when they released their app, Castro. Like during Fireball Link, we weren't, I mean, we hoped and hoped, but we didn't really expect that to happen. Um, and John linked it up. Uh, Jim Dalrymple linked it up. Like loads of different links coming in and the tweets flying in and the emails coming in just as quick it was very overwhelming i stay in the office till about 10 o'clock trying to respond to emails and tweets and um, keeping track of the reviews that were coming in you try to read them i can never read them the day they come out i just like it's kind of except for the short ones it's kind of like too much stuff flying at you very quickly i did um 
Although I went back and reread them later because I was doing so many things at one time that I uh, was just kind of skimming through to see what the highlights were. Um, and then went back and read them a little more carefully that evening. Oh, I was I was very happy. I mean, I the reviews were great. I mean, I got some really great suggestions from people as to things that could be changed or added. But I think, um, by and large, the core functionality of the app um, was well received by everybody. And there were some great reviews out there. And what was interesting, too, it was most of the people I contacted ended up writing about the app, which was great. Um, that made me feel good about, and I knew that going into the launch day, so I, that that helped ease a little bit of the anxiety about the launch itself. Um, but was really what was really great after that, right after launches, I got contacted by a lot of other people who wanted to review the app from all over the world. Um, there were reviewers from Germany and Sweden and Brazil and a bunch of other places, um, all of whom have, all of whom have written reviews now and really helped um, spread the word in, in you know, places other than kind of the U.S., Western Europe-centric media that I was otherwise reviewed in. On previous episodes, you will have heard people talking about the importance of day one sales. For many developers, launch day will make up a huge percentage of the revenue that their app is going to see in its lifetime, and it's especially important as a way to recoup the development time that has gone into the app itself. This is why people pay so much attention to the way they communicate the release of an app on social media. It's why they spend so much time trying to get it covered in the press. It's because financially, launch day can make you or break you. Sales, sales on the first two days were massive, uh, by far the biggest I'd ever seen. But I also knew, you know, first of all, I'd worked on this app for a year without any income. So to some degree, it's like, well, did, I, did this just make a year's worth of income? And the answer is no, it didn't. <laughs> but it, it made good income the first few days. Uh, you know, just not a year's worth. Um, but I knew also the first few days are a fluke. The first few days of any app are a fluke. Like you're like, whatever like big launch peak you get, if if you're lucky enough to be featured on the press, uh, you you're never gonna recover that again. Like, I would be shocked if Overcast ever had a sales day again that even matched half of the first two days. It did well. It's it. I didn't get the kind of sales that would allow me to quit my job by any stretch of the imagination. But that really wasn't the goal either. Um, the goal was really to create an app that that people would enjoy and that would help people um, in their day to day lives. Um, and it, it's really kind of the first step and hopefully a journey towards something a little bigger. But um, yeah, I was happy with it. Well, it's typical curve um, for any app. You know, good, really good launch day, and then the the sales drop off exponentially from there. Um, you know, it's been I've got six days of sales data since the launch. Now, haven't yet seen what yesterday was, but um, it you know it's gotten to a level that that's low, but not so low that it it's gotten to a level that's that if it sustains at this level, it's something I can build on and hopefully um, kind of have a nice sustainable uh, income from the app. Um, it's a little too early to really know for sure where this is going to settle out. It's still kind of bumping up and down a little bit as people discover it and there's a little bit more written about it. Um, another two or three weeks might have a better sense for what what the um, kind of the, the normal average daily sales are if there really is ever such a thing. 
up, we're going to take a look at what some developers do after they release their apps. Do they take a break or do they just keep plowing forward? We'll find out after another story that's been provided by Cards Against Humanity about being an independent game developer on iOS. So I found that the kind of social things that I've, I've been making, that they, that they work so well on phones because most people just don't expect it, right? You shove this phone in front of their faces and you tell, you ask two people, hey, put your finger down on the screen and they'll put it down and suddenly they find themselves dancing together. I, th- I find that's really fascinating that, you know, like a game kind of draws you into this super safe environment, but then suddenly it reaches out and it can make people do all these weird and interesting things that, yeah, most people just don't even touch that subject. So what fascinates me about making these weird social games for, for mobile is that we all have have these devices in our pockets, but we don't use them for all these really cool, strange, interesting social interactions that we have in our day-to-day lives. Bounden is a mobile dancing game for two people, so each player grabs one side of the phone and the phone tells them how to dance together. Um, So it's using the same phone uh, and it creates this sort of weird twister-like dance for two people. So I'm Adrian de Jong, um, together with a bunch of people we may found and, and also some other games under a company called Game Oven that I founded together with, uh, with Boyan. And uh, you can find all the games that we've made on uh, GameOvenStudios.com. Phil Sims, you've just won the Super Bowl. What are you doing next? I'm going to go to Disney World. Does it work out this way for developers too? When you hit that publish button in iTunes Connect, can you take the rest of the day off? Can you go take that well-deserved holiday now that you have your 1.0 out in the hands of people? Very quickly, you end up just like, okay, well, that was fun. And get back on to get back to the business of, of making updates or working on other software. Um, I tend to though when I when I launch something new, I'll I try hard to find ways to celebrate the launch, um, and this is something that I find because I'm a one man shop uh, for the most part. It's I don't have the sense of camaraderie that would naturally happen in a team where you can kind of imagine when you ship something that you've you know you and your ten office mates have been working on for a while. You know, oh, you go out to dinner, get a few drinks, you know, maybe have some champagne, whatever, like as a group, you can celebrate something. Um, but in some ways, it's kind of sad that so often what I'll essentially it's just me sitting in front of my computer by myself and I hit a button and then the app's launched and the service is out there. And so one of the things I try and do is, you know, it's like I'll, you know, my wife and I will go out to a nice dinner or do something to try and celebrate that something significant has happened uh, because if I don't do that, I found that it just becomes kind of de- depressing. Um, and that's kind of a defense me- mechanism to make sure that I can continue to work by myself is to find ways to like build in a little bit of celebration, a bit of camaraderie, a bit of a sense of accomplishment that isn't just in sort of natural in sitting by yourself, doing something fairly set, uh, sort of, sort of in isolation. I usually work in bursts. Um, 
because you know I I do multiple things. I have ATP. I have my blog. I have the I have um you know the app and and I, there's different parts of the app. There's the server part of the app. There's the client part of the app. And, and so I will usually take one of those areas to focus on just based on like you know, what am I most feeling productive in right now? Am I feeling like writing? Am I feeling like editing the show? Am I feeling like you know doing web work, doing app work, like whatever I'm most productively feeling right then i will i will do that kind of work and so usually it ends up like i'll spend a week on one of those things and then a week on another one and so yeah that's that's basically how it works an app is never really finished there are always more features there's always more bugs to squash the work tends to not stop on a project like this and interestingly launch day can be incredibly important for highlighting these types of things because you're getting your app seen and used by many more people than you ever had before. Next week is going to be the season finale of Behind the App. At the point that we're at now in this show we've reached the end of the journey for getting an app into the App Store. After this point, there is still a ton of work that developers need to do to continue building their apps and making them better, but many of the struggles and key moments that we've covered in this show will happen again. Like you still have to submit to Apple, you still have to deal with rejections, you need new ideas and release new versions. By this part in our story, you've been able to see how people get to the point where they are happy to show the world what they've been working on, and you've also got to take a look at how the App Store has developed itself up to this point. But for our last episode, I want to take a look at what the future of the App Store may be, next week on Inquisitive. Inquisitive is a production of Relay FM. You can find show notes and links for this episode at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 36. Inquisitive is produced by Stephen Hackett, Adina Niamsu, and me. Marco Savage is our editorial advisor. Huge thanks to everyone who has provided their time and feedback with helping this series along its path. The music you've heard in this episode was created and provided by Brave Wave Productions. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show, tell your friends, or rate us on iTunes. Support for today's episode has come from Hover and Cards Against Humanity. You can find out more about this show and all of our shows at Relay FM by visiting us online at relay.fm. I am Mike Hurley at imike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.